The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that may result from listening to this podcast. What's your opinion of Ouija boards? I just, me personally, I don't mess around with it. I don't see any evil spirits under there. No, no. no. I've never seen one, and I've had a bunch of these around for a long time. I've never had a Ouija board do anything Ouija. There have been cases known of people playing with a Ouija board just in quote-unquote innocence. It's not innocent. And becoming possessed because they put themselves in that line of danger. Conjuring up demons on an Ouija board is something that we would never suggest. A kindergarten teacher at Zablocki Elementary is removed from her class today for using a Ouija board in front of her students last week. This is the Scream Kings podcast. I'm Nathaniel Darkish. And I'm Max George. As a, As podcast, a podcast, we, we gather... gather. Hearts are true, spirits near, we call to you. Ooh, I think that's the most ominous podcast intro we've ever had. Spooky, spooky. I'm so excited for this episode, Nathaniel. As am I, Max. This is a very cool episode. I feel like um, this this is kind of what, what we're going for with our format. But we don't always put in that much work, which is on us. But, hey, it's going to pay off this episode. Hey, now, sometimes there's just not a lot of content out there, honestly. Well, I don't know if that's true. Or, yeah, no, I, I I think it's honestly on us when, when we don't have episodes that are this awesome. But, regardless. Yeah, sorry everybody, but put your big boy pants on, because we're going to get satanic tonight. Wear your big girl pants. I mean, we're we're at equal opportunity. Pants. Just as long as you're down big with having pants. some fun with Lucifer. No, tech with Lucifer. <laughs> we're talking about Zozo. Ouija boards. I'm so excited, Nathaniel. Let's just start off by talking about Ouija boards. And I think it's important to note that we're gonna kind of flip things on its head today. Uh, we want to kind of go into the occult corner that I will be hosting tonight. Um, you're going to be assisting me with some lovely facts that you've learned about these demonic spirit boards. Yes. And then we'll talk in about some movies, primarily Ouija, and then also Ouija, the origin of evil, which uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yep. We'll get there. Yeah, uh, it's going to be one of those downward trajectories for the <laughs> for the podcast, but I think it will work where yeah. it works best that way. Right, we'll start at the top layer of hell and slowly descend into Satan's navel. Yes, his very hairy navel. Ugh, I don't want to think about Satan's navel. Spelling something. This is too weird. Go ahead, ask another. Ask another. All right, Ouija boards what's their deal you know you you say ouija board in public and we did a little experiment that hopefully you guys heard at the beginning of the episode i personally reached out to friends and family and and asked you know what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word ouija board and nathaniel what would you say yours is well so i guess my own personal reaction to ouija boards is that i mean it's it's a it's a game I think that anything, regardless of if it's you know a, a set pattern of of occult activity like like the Ouija board or really anything, could be an invitation for for evil in your life. But I don't know. I I think for the most part, most people just play it as a game, and that's all it is. And some people have really bad experiences with it, and that is I don't know. It's valid, I guess, but it I don't know. I don't really know how I feel is what I'm really getting at because it's so multifaceted as we're about to talk about. 
Um, so here are some of my favorite responses from what people told me when I asked that same question. Uh, devils and demons and ghosts. Creepy AF. Another one. Ah, hell no. Someone else said, that's a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite one is probably dumb teenage girls trying to be edgy at sleepover parties. <laughs> um, another one was evil, devil, sketchy AF. There's AF again. Clearly, this indicates the caliber of my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and... You should text different people and darkness so generally not very positive you know gut reactions to ouija boards um, yeah you know you go into the mass public and you talk about these ouija boards and they get i don't know what it is about them and hopefully we can kind of pick it apart this afternoon in our podcast but the ouija no excuse me i'm kind of getting over a cold and my drugs are kicking in and out yeah, yeah, you'll you'll notice both of our voices are kind of wonky, and that's because illness is the worst thing. Anyway, so tonight as we pick apart these Ouija boards, I really want to dissect our fear about them. Because as we learn about the history, um, it's really intriguing that these Ouija boards were not created with the really the occult in mind. Um, so kind of where I wanted to start my occult corner... Um, was talking about kind of the first real event about spirit boards or talking boards, whatever you want to call them. One of the first mentions of, quote, automatic writing, unquote, which is essentially what you're doing a Ouija board. You know, you put your fingers on the planchette and that planchette moves over the letters, moves over yes or no. It's, it's a form of automatic writing, which is pretty prevalent in, you know, the supernatural community and i guess you just want to explain maybe what automatic writing is a little bit more before we go into the spirit board specifically yeah absolutely um so automatic writing like i mentioned is something that you find in a lot of um supernatural parapsychology kind of areas essentially a watered down explanation of it is there's a conduit so a human um and they allow a spirit to kind of take them over not like possession um, it's a little bit more benign. It, it's then, more like the, a ghost is guiding your hand kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So the spirit, the ghost, whatever you want to call it, moves your hand and you'll either write out words that you were not intending to write out or you'll draw an image that you were not intending to draw. Essentially, it's a way of divination. It's a way to connect with spirits and kind of hear what they're saying. And so that correlates to Ouija boards and spirit boards in that we're opening ourselves up to the spirit and letting them guide our hands across this board uh, to kind of give us answers to questions and stuff like that. Is that resonating at all? Yep. All right. So the, one of the first mentions of that was actually in China around 1100 AD. Um, and the method was known as Fuji, which F-U-J-I, if I'm pronouncing that wrong i apologize Probably Fuji. um and what that translates into english is actually planchette writing which is pretty interesting um and they the ancient chinese used this as a means of necromancy and communing with the spirit world um so i thought that was kind of interesting that you know this automatic writing system is connected with spirituality and kind of the quote-unquote occult um, well i mean necromancy uh, yeah um and then similar methods of this like mediumistic spirit writing um you can see it in almost all cultures medieval europe greece rome even india so it's it's been around for quite a bit uh but you know how do we get the ouija board and and essentially how did it formulate into a concrete item that is you know, universally known nowadays. Um, and the last episode, we talked a lot about the Fox sisters. Um, and for those who need a recap, it was this set of three sisters who um, really kicked off the spiritual movement in the 19th century here in America. We, um, we actually didn't talk about it. We were going to, and then we didn't. Oh my gosh, you're right. So you better dig into it. 
Holy moly, Nathaniel. Holy moly, this episode's going to be like seven hours long. I apologize to everybody. But seven <laughs> hours of awesome content. All right, so let me back up. Um, here in America, the spiritualistic movement really got kicked off in the 19th century. Um, a big, big proponent of the movement getting propelled was this group of three sisters. Uh, their names were Kate, Margaret, and Lucy, I believe. I can double check that real fast. Um, but Kate and Margaret were kind of the two main players. And they were they total were... foxes. Uh... <laughs> um, when they were little, they really liked to play pranks. And they lived in this kind of house that had this reputation of being haunted. And they'd actually take an apple and tie it to a string and then drop it on the wooden floor above like the living room or their parents' bedroom. And it created this illusion that the house was haunted. Um, and they kind of monopolized on that. They um, developed this method of popping their joints and like clacking their knees together to make a series of what they called wrappings. And then they would hold these giant seances for the community where they were, would bring people in who had questions about you know people who had departed, stuff like that. Um, and then they would use these um, kind of charlatan methods to deceive the people into thinking that the spirits were talking to them. And it caught on like wildfire. Um, it was insane. Uh, America had just kind of gotten out of uh, enlightened period with religion. There was a lot of transitions going on and there was a lot of kind of occult magic behind the scenes that not a lot of people like to talk about because occult and religion don't really mesh very well. Unless and you're a Wiccan. Unless you're a Wiccan or you're Max. That's <laughs> so um, the Fox sisters really started to make quite a bit of good money on this to kind of wrap up the story quicker so we can get into Ouija boards. Um, eventually, they kind of ran out of money, essentially. They kicked launched a bunch of other mediums. And so they started having competition. And eventually one of the sisters actually converted to Catholicism and came out and said that it was all a sham and went on public record and kind of went over all of these different methods that they incorporated into their seances to try and prove to people that spirits were real. Um, so it was a real blow for the spiritualistic movement uh, because the like essentially the founders, these awesome women who led the movement were all charlatans. But that did not put a stop to that movement. Uh, no, 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 not at all. Um, so those Fox sisters, like, like I mentioned, really kicked everything off. And primarily there were some spirit camps is what they call them in Ohio in 1890. It was just kind of like almost this carnival type of feel uh, where you could go and see mediums. You could get your palms read, tarot cards read. You could do these seances. And there was a guy named Elijah Bond, and he was actually the first guy to take a board plaster the alphabet on it, put a yes, put a no, and inscribe goodbye on it, use a planchette, which is essentially a triangle with a lens in the center, and he essentially created the modern-day Ouija board. He got the patent in 1890, and I have, I've actually read the original patent, and it's pretty interesting because there's nothing in the patent that explicitly describes that this board that he created had purpose for spiritualism or for divination or anything when he created it it was entirely a monetary creation which i think is just fantastic <laughs> yeah and and in some of the research i was doing i i saw that like this isn't his only patent i mean he had a fair number of other inventions that were not at all related to the spiritualist movement in any concept and yeah i guess he was like professionally uh, just a, a lawyer who had an idea and figured he would make some money. Yeah. And so uh, a few years later, we had a guy named William Fould. Fold. I'm not quite sure how you say his name. It's F-U-L-D. He actually took over production of these boards. And he's the one who specifically termed them to be Ouija boards. Um, the Charles Kennard 
It was a big gaming company at the time, if I'm not mistaken. They're the ones who actually took the patent and then started to mass produce it and manufacture it so it could be used more prolifically. And when Fold kind of was in collaboration with him, or with them, excuse me, with the Charles Kennard company, he told them that he was using the board and Ouija was actually good luck in Egyptian, which is kind of poetic for, you know, what you use Ouija boards for. But later, as the years went by, Fould actually described that he got the word Ouija from two words in French and German and then mushed them together. The word was yes, so you've got oui and you've got ya. So technically it should be Ouija. Um, so, you know, people have made fun of me for saying Ouija and neener, neener, neener. Do your, do your research, people. <laughs> so, so what it really means is yes, yes. Yes, yes. It's a yes, yes board. And that is how I will be referring to it from now on. <laughs> it, it's the opposite of like a no-no can for a dog. <laughs> so that's kind of the ground base of how the Ouija board got created it was an entirely monetary production Um, a lot of the creators kind of got pulled into the mythos of it and i honestly think that was because they wanted to produce their sales america was going through this booming spiritualistic movement everyone wanted a ouija board Um, why wouldn't you kind of ride the wave with everyone else so you could bump your sales up yeah i i in in some of the trivia i was looking up i i saw that uh william fold's you know, he, he was either actually a big believer in the Ouija board, or at least he, you know, would regularly talk about, oh, yes, I made this decision because I was conferring with the spirits via the board. And ironically, um, or like uh, serendipitously, uh, he allegedly was building a uh, warehouse because of instructions he received from the board. And he fell off of the roof at that warehouse and died. So allegedly Ouija boards led to his death. Of course, that's the only reason that makes sense. So maybe not so good of luck. (laughs) You know, Ouija boards to me are a lot like the Necronomicon. Um, The Necronomicon, like we mentioned in episode three, uh, was created by Lovecraft as a, a method of entertainment. He did not intend, I honestly believe, to make this demonology book that you know occultists and satanists and demon worshipers would would come to almost revere in a bible-like sense Mm -hmm. to me that's a lot of what ouija boards have turned into you know fold and elijah bond while they were caught up in the spiritualistic movement and they were kind of advertising these these games as a method to connect at the end of the day you can see it in the patent that they were just trying to make a buck And society took the Ouija board and we turned it into something that it's not. (laughs) And I mean, it's really fascinating to me that actual hard science has done a ton of research into like Ouija boards, um, dousing rods, kind of all of these methods used for divination. And almost ubiquitously, all of these research studies have shown that the reason why these things work is because of what's called the idiosyncratic method. Have you heard that term before, Nathaniel? I've heard it, but let's go over it in in a little detail. Yeah. Um, So the idiosyncratic method um, kind of refers to we all have the subconscious and we all have these kind of deeper level thoughts that are continually going. And so when we're presented with something such as an Ouija board where we're assuming and expecting something to happen uh, we have these neural connections from our brain to our muscles that kind of almost force the situation to happen we're looking at the board we want the planchette to move to yes we're telling ourselves that we're just gonna let whatever happens happens but again these subconscious thoughts actually make our muscles move to yes and the research is extremely prolific. It's not something that, like vaccines, who believes in vaccines? <laughs> it's it's very, very well documented that this idiosyncratic method is how Ouija boards work. Um, and it's kind of the reason why if you close your eyes, it's not going to work. 
you have to be focusing on the board, visualizing what you want, uh, and really being in the moment. Uh, it's pretty fascinating. It brings me to the point, you know, one of my main questions that I wanted to focus on during this episode was why doesn't it work for everybody? You know, if everyone is so terrified about Ouija boards and what they can do, and you're going to introduce demons and spirits into your life, why does that not happen to everyone? Why have I used the Ouija board twice and feel totally fine? Maybe it's because, as we've established, you just, that's just a, a Tuesday for you. <laughs> maybe the demons see that i'm using a ouija board and they're just like oh, max is at it again how cliche <laughs> there's no novelty in me talking to demons anymore it's fine yeah if, if they really want to mess with you they don't talk to you via ouija board they just mess with your wi-fi again yeah exactly exactly pazuzu i'm still not over that you jerk <laughs> you dirty bastard get out of my wi-fi router um anyway we digress maybe you shouldn't be shouting at pazuzu again considering that he might come up again in this episode. oh it's fine i used the ouija board last night he's leaving me alone today ah okay <laughs> i really want to hit the nail on the head as well that really the pivot point for a lot of people and ouija boards was one of our favorite horror movies the exorcist in 1973, it's amid a very turbulent time in the United States because Anton LaVey, um, essentially the man who created Satanism, um, was really getting the role, or really getting kind of the ball rolling, excuse me. Uh, there was a huge kind of Satanistic scare in the country. People were playing their records backwards, and, you know, the Beatles were evil, and, and everything that wasn't strictly religious had some sort of satanic connotation with it well i mean you... to be fair manson did murder a bunch of people well that's charles manson that's not anton LaVey. i know but that but i mean he basically was... oh yeah i mean like, totally. like basically people took manson and LaVey and all of and alistair crowley and everything like that it's like oh yeah it's all the same which, I mean, there's definitely some similarities in, in ideology, maybe, but not necessarily. In... I don't know. I will fight you to the death between Charles Manson and Aleister Crowley. Aleister Crowley's my boo. <laughs> well, I guess maybe, do you want to talk a little bit about how Aleister Crowley felt about Ouija boards? Because I know that he was a big proponent of them and actually tried to uh, sell some himself. Yeah, he, I mean, you kind of just hit it right there. He thought they were fantastic. He had several of his closest companions use them regularly, and they wanted to try and actually fine-tune them. And Aleister Crowley was all about putting his own mark on the occult. Um, you get Philema, which was his kind of offshoot of the occult, which has all of his different revelations and writings. He created his own tarot card set which is they're beautiful it's called the thoth um tarot card and thoth is the egyptian god of wisdom and magic and it got to the point too where he wanted to make his own ouija board so he was huge into him and kind of backtracking a little bit i think it's an excellent point that you brought up with charles manson actually you know the whole helter skelter thing you have heaven's gate there was a lot of cult activity in the late 60s and the 70s added you know, this new religion of Satanism, add Aleister Crowley. I mean, it was just kind of the perfect hotbed uh, for Ouija boards to get taken on a completely different level. And a lot, a lot of religions started coming out and saying anything that has anything to do with soothsaying or divination is of the devil. And what happened in The Exorcist is going to happen to you. And it, it just kind of exploded and a lot of the people that are around nowadays came from that generation where Ouija boards were devil items that if you played with them, you were risking your soul and your salvation because you're basically opening the door for a demon. So, Nathaniel, I know that you are still very religious. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts and beliefs about Ouija boards? I know you kind of 
talked about your first impressions when you hear the term, but as far as you're kind of the more religious side of this podcast. Oh, definitely. <laughs> do you want to go into kind of where things are nowadays? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think things have changed a whole bunch. Kind of the, the Christian religious world, at least, uh, generally speaking, is, is still pretty opposed to Ouija boards. Kind of depends on who you talk to. You know, I, I've talked to people who, you know, are very religious, but, you know, just are like, yeah, it's just a kid's game, like, whatever. I mean, it's made by Hasbro, so, like, it's it's no different than playing Monopoly or Clue. Yeah, what it boils down to is a belief in evil spirits uh, being in the world and, and being something that you can interact with. Kind of opening yourself up to communicating with something demonic i i think that that evil is in the world so yeah that i mean there there are ways to interact with that unfortunately <laughs> so i kind of want to challenge that thought with you okay you know where you know now the history of the ouija boards and i, I kind of want to talk about this a little bit more as we finish the podcast because i've got a lot of feelings about it but uh-huh. what makes it opening up yourself you know to negative forces or evil spirits you know whatever you do believe what is it about a board with letters and a planchette what about that process opens you up does that make sense yeah it's designed for for you to ask the spirits and so i mean specifically going into it with with a, a belief that you are actually going to receive a response from a spirit i think is kind of where that that boils down to uh, open yourself up to that uh, because you're you're specifically requesting information from beyond so would you compare it to kind of a darker version of prayer maybe yeah oh it that that's not a bad comparison i I mean, as I said, I, I kind of hold some reservations about how much, you know, use of a Ouija board or something like that would actually necessarily invite evil into one's life. I mean, for the most part, I think people play it as a game and, and it's that simple. I, I think really, you know, if, if you were to use a Ouija board genuinely wanting to communicate with a, a ghost or with a demon or something like that, if there is enough out there that you could get a response i don't think necessarily everyone does i mean a lot of that really does kind of go back to the idiosyncratic method of a lot of this is just whatever is in your subconscious Uh, a lot of it will just be whatever you're expecting to see or or hear i guess read uh in 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 response um or you know and you're supposed to do it in a group so it could be you know whatever others in the group want to, to uh, or expect to, to get as a response subconsciously but sometimes it it might be more than that so you kind of have like one foot in both pools essentially is yes you understand the idiosyncratic method and mm-hmm. yes you know the history and this is kind of a, a trivial object that society has put a stigma on but also at the same time you don't want to completely shut out the possibility that it, it may have some sort of ulterior design. Yeah, and, and I think really what that boils down to is things have power because we give it power. Agreed. Just because something totally. was you know made with the intent to just make money doesn't mean that it can't have other power to it. Yeah, like going back to the, the Necronomicon, there are people who find great i guess religious or or you know great they 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 genuinely look at it as as an object of power and you know that that the things contained in it will actually like allow them to summon demons or or worship demons or or things like that and it has power because they believe it does and and that might not be quantifiable to someone else but you know but it has meaning in their life and so i think that's kind of what what it can really boil down to is that you know you can 
have bad come to you, be that bad energy or an evil spirit or just, you know, or, or even good out of it. I mean, that, that kind of comes up in, in, uh, the second, uh, Ouija movie a little bit that, that even, you know, going to, uh, a charlatan, uh, soothsayer, if, if you end up like feeling positive about your relationship with someone who's deceased as the result of that, like, I don't know that that has power because you believe it. So, so I guess my final question for you is, should there be such a negative connotation with Ouija boards? I think that it's, it's, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in, in that if you expect bad from it, then bad will probably come from it. You know, if nothing else, you, you might just feel bad as the result of doing it. But I, I think if you're doing it just to have fun, I don't think bad's going to come your way. So, I mean, I'd say the, the stigma creates a lot of negativity just because the stigma is so negative. Do you have any questions you want to ask me? Well, so I, I know that you had some, some rules to play it. and I have actually played it. Yeah, I mean... So, so let's talk about your experiences and, and, and what you actually do. We've talked about it more esoterically. Let's, let's get into the nitty gritty. So I purchased a Ouija board off of Amazon.com. And it came in a box that looks like all my other board games. So, you know, pretty, pretty evil stuff. <laughs> um, when I first got it, there was kind of this like visceral like oh my gosh i've got a ouija board i have like eight or nine books on demons and how to summon them but ooh, this is scarier like it was this weird fear about it um and i took it to first time i ever used it i took it to one of the most haunted hotels supposedly in the utah area which was what is formerly the ben lomond hotel um and if you're listening outside the state of Utah, definitely look up Ben Lomond Hotel. There's a lot of fun kind of horror facts about that specific building. A lot of creepy things happen there. Um, and me and my now boyfriend were actually using it. It was around Valentine's, which is kind of... Hot fun. date. I know. I know. I, I knew he liked me when he played with a Ouija board for Valentine's Day. Um, I'm not going to make an innuendo about a planchette. <laughs> Okay, good. And we sat down, nestled into it, and again, it's like this weird, like... Is that an innuendo? Oh my god, I'm gonna kick you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sat down to play with the Ouija board, and did the whole put your fingers on it, Mm -hmm. try and get into the mood, and blah blah blah. Oh, get into oh, the mood in more ways okay. than one. Okay, you're really ruining my Ouija board story. Do you want to hear it or not? No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and the planchette actually starts moving. And in my mind, I'm like, what the good hell? This is actually working? I haven't believed in any of this shit. And it starts to move. And the first letter it goes to is I. And the second letter it goes to is L. I'm like, okay, I've got to like keep track of this mentally in my head. What is it spelling? L I K E. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and then the next word that was spelled out was M A X. So yeah, the the only time a Ouija board has really worked for me was to let the spirits, um, also formerly known as my boyfriend, um, <laughs> let me know that he liked me. So that was good. <laughs> And then the last time I used it was actually just last night. I wanted to kind of bust it out again and and play around with it for the podcast specifically. And I even like lit some uh, spiritual incense. I got a candle, kind of turned all the lights off in my house and made, like set the mood and nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh man, and we even had such good questions for it. Well, there was one answer to, you know, what horror movie best depicts the underworld, uh, but the board spelled out Pirates of the Caribbean, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's entirely accurate or not. So apparently, <laughs> ghost pirates 
and treasure is is what it's all about. Exactly. Hey, we talked about Pirates of the Caribbean on the podcast. Are you happy, Max's dad? <laughs> Not my dad, my boss. Oh, that's who it was. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell him tomorrow. He'll be very, very excited. All right, before we move in to talking about the so-so movies and Zozo and kind of the overall sentiment of this podcast episode, I did want to give everyone 21 rules to that they need to know before they start playing. This was written by Aaron Cosetta. Whoever you are, Aaron Cosetta, thank you for being such an expert on Ouija boards that you can list out 21 rules. I don't know. I feel like that's a great feat. Way to go, Aaron. Yeah, the movie only had three. That's right. I'm all about the rule book and instruction manuals. If I had 21 rules, I would be reading that, which is why I found this website. All right. Rule number one. Ouija boards are no joke. Read up on what can happen when you use a Ouija board before you use it. (gasps) So, you know, setting out with a good ominous tone. Uh, The most important rule, even though it's rule number two and not rule number one, come on, Aaron Cosetta, is to never taunt or go to spirit to communicate with you through the Ouija board. That can have disastrous consequences. (laughs) (laughs) Rule three, never ask a Ouija board when you are going to die. Rule number four, spirits who talk to you through your Ouija board can tell you anything they want. Just because a spirit says something does not mean it's true. Number five, never use a Ouija board alone. I broke this rule last night, so oops. Um, Rule number six, do not use a Ouija board in your own home. Also broke this rule. But where else are you going to use a Ouija board? Are you going to take it to someone else's home and use it in their home? Like, it seems like a pretty crappy rule. (laughs) Yeah, it's always in someone's home. Seven is one person in the group should always be the leader. So the person who's actually moving the planchette. (laughs) There you go. Um, Rule number eight is if you are not the leader, you must remain silent. Rule number nine, the leader should not ask joke questions with three exclamation marks. (laughs) These rules are really great. Um, Rule number 10, one person should be assigned the task of keeping track of the answers. I feel like that's actually the best rule in this entire list. So they, like, keep taking their fingers off the planchette and, like, scribbling down stuff, or... I don't know, or, like, record or something. Oh, okay. Um, rule number 11, don't leave the planchette on the board. And this is actually a rule that comes in the box. For some reason, there's this weird, like, if the planchette and the board remain intact and you don't separate them, then the gates of hell will open up. I don't know. It seems a little ridiculous. 12 if you want to take a break have one person keep their hand on the planchette to stay connected to the energy you've built uh rule number 13 always end your session by saying goodbye this is actually also in the actual board game and is pretty much the only rule that you see consistently through all ouija board rules is always say goodbye um the location you should be The location you use should be dark and free of background noise. You can use a candle to light the board enough to see what the planchette might be spelling. Wait, so why does background noise matter? I mean, it's... it's, You're getting responses on a board. It's because... It's like if you've ever tried to talk to someone while they have their music on and you end up just screaming at them. And, and But they're writing all their responses. <laughs> I don't know. I don't make the rules. Maybe all Aaron ghosts, Cosetta makes the rules. Maybe the ghosts are all hard of hearing. Uh, rule number 15. If a spirit starts communicating with you through the board by counting down or going through the alphabet, immediately end your session by saying goodbye. This has connotations to Zozo, which we'll talk about later. If a spirit starts communicating with you by making the planchette make a figure eight or infinity symbol, immediately say goodbye. Zozo. If you begin to suspect that you are in contact with a malevolent spirit, immediately say goodbye. Oh, here we are. If you speak to a spirit who identifies themselves as Zozo, end the session and say goodbye. Zozo has been identified as a malevolent spirit of the Ouija board. Don't use a Ouija board in a cemetery. It just sounds like a bad idea, people. Yep. If you are experiencing depression, it may be good to avoid using a Ouija board. 
depression energy draws in malevolent spirits. Well, I'm screwed then because I've gone through my share of depression. Um, and then the last one is never burn a Ouija board. This can do more damage than simply leaving it untouched in a closet. This sounds like it's going to cause a lot of headache for people down the road and is essentially what happened to Reagan. Her mom should have burned the board. Maybe that's just a, a practical thing. Like, hey, just like throw it in the trash because, you know, you don't want to accidentally like burn something down. Um, let's flip over to your kind of fun facts you found about, about Ouija boards. Hit us up. Oh man, there are so many great things about Ouija boards. So, I mean, we've already talked about how there's a long history of opposition to, to Ouija boards. I mean, there's been many, like, religious groups that have, have openly made statements against them. And even as recently as in 2001, there was a mass burning of them in New Mexico, uh, alongside copies of Harry Potter, because, you know, evil, apparently. That's the truer tragedy in that situation. Uh, I mean, she J.K. Rowling still got money for all them copies, so whatever. I don't care. I don't care. No one burns a Harry Potter book and gets away with it unscathed by Max. So now you have sworn vengeance on this random group of people in New Mexico? That's right. Whipping out a demon book tonight and I'll be sacrificing a chicken. Joke's on you, group in New Mexico who burned <laughs> Harry Potter books. And Ouija boards. And we and Ouija books. So on the literary side of things is that a woman named Emily Grant Hutchings wrote a novel using the Ouija board called Jap Heron and indicated and, and you know claimed very broadly that the person who really wrote it through the board was the ghost of Mark Twain. That was in 1917. For those of you uh, music fans, Alice Cooper, and I just learned today by finding this fact that that is a, his stage name. Apparently, that uh, early press releases for the band Alice Cooper, basically they, they said that the name came uh, through use of a Ouija board and that it was that Vincent Fernier, uh, Alice Cooper, it was a reincarnation of a 17th century witch with that name. It, it, and later on, he, he just said that it was a cool name that he thought of, but whatever. Yeah, early press releases insisted that they used a Ouija board for that. In 1994, uh, in London, a convicted murderer named Stephen Young uh, was granted a retrial after it was learned that four of the jurors had conducted a Ouija board seance. Used that that Ouija board to contact the murdered person. Yeah, Young was named as the killer. He ended up getting uh, convicted again during his retrial and was uh, jailed for life. But, hey, those... So I guess maybe in this case, Ouija board justice happened and then <laughs> real justice followed. How about we justice? <laughs> oh! That sounds like the best terrible... <laughs> B movie I've, I've ever heard of oh we need to use that hashtag more yes as we've referenced before it, it appears in a lot of things so i'm just going to name some of its more prevalent uh appearances so it uh, appears in stephen king's the stand it appears in the exorcist as we referenced it appears in paranormal activity what lies beneath lots and lots of stuff use ouija boards even it appears in the popular board game and by popular, I mean popular among board game nerds. Betrayal House on the Hill, where it's not a Ouija board, but it's a spirit board, is one of the items that you can use as a, an omen in the game, which is... That game's awesome. Everyone should play it. Its first movie appearance, and this was a, a homemade board, not an official Ouija board, was in the film The Uninvited from 1944. Uh, but the first movie to have an entire plot built around Ouija boards is uh, the film from 1986, Witchboard, which was, I think, the first in a trilogy. Some facts about the game itself. Uh, it is for ages 8 and up, as it's listed on the board. It typically costs about 20 bucks, and there are even branded versions available. I know that every time I go to Target to the board game section, I see the Stranger Things Ouija board. So yeah, you can, you can get all sorts of Ouija boards. Finally... Uh, we asked on Twitter for, for questions about Ouija boards, and uh, Taylor, who uh, has been on a previous episode of the podcast when we talked about A Quiet Place and is also the 
the voice of our disclaimer, asked the question, how in the world did Hasbro get the rights to the game? So I have the answer to that. So after the game was in William Fold's hands, so at, or I guess after his death, uh, his estate uh, h- held on to the Ouija board business. So in 1966, they sold it to Parker Brothers. And then in 1981, Parker Brothers sold it to Hasbro. Um, basically, it was just a popular game and it, would, it was making money. So why not continue to, to basically pay for the rights to it and make some money? And I, I know that like around the time of the, the movies coming out, especially the first film, the, the sales spiked again and it became more lucrative than it had in a long time. Yeah, which again kind of goes back to what I was saying in the beginning is like, it's just a board game. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. But Aleister Crowley would have disagreed with you. But let's drop all of this and talk about the really important thing, Zozo. Here are some signs you may be in contact with Zozo. Ah, jeez. Below, now our podcast is haunted, by the way. I don't want to be in contact with Zozo, damn it. (laughs) Hang up, Zozo. (laughs) Hang up, Zozo, get out of here. Oh, man. There's so much to talk about, about Ouija boards. If you go online and do a search of Zozo, you're going to get a bajillion and a half Google searches about this demon. And if you do deeper research, you'll find out that... Zozo is very similar to, say, the Slenderman series. Uh, that one person kind of had this experience with this Ouija board where the planchette started going back and forth, back and forth on the letter Z and the letter O. And it was the name of this kind of the demon of the Ouija board, kind of the almighty demon who controls all the Ouija boards in the world. Um, and it's a bad guy. A lot of the stories that you read about Zozo, there's possession involved, lives fall apart. It's really, really intense as to kind of the darkness that he brings with the Ouija board. And when we were going through those 21 rules, a lot of those later ones were related to Zozo. So if the Ouija board starts counting down, you know, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, that's Zozo is approaching and you need to say goodbye as soon as possible. Same with the alphabet. Or if it's doing um, the figure eights or figure eights or pentagrams or, or really if the Ouija board is doing anything crazy, it's probably Zozo's fault. Uh, the research that I went into it, though, was there are a lot of correlations between Zozo and the fun loving demon who likes to eat my Internet, Pazuzu. <laughs> um, and it's really fascinating that Pazuzu is predominantly shown in the Exorcist movies And now that demon from that literature and that kind of cinematic masterpiece really has now become a real and living thing. Like, again, things only have as much power as we give them. And you take the Exorcist movies and essentially watermark it on actual Ouija boards. And now you have this all powerful demon. Like, oh, it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, if you type Zozo into like, youtube you're gonna see like eight thousand youtubers claiming that they use a ouija board and zozo try to possess them and holy crap demon in their house right right essentially it's like i i said the satan had an audition or interviews for who wants to be the project manager of all ouija boards out there and pazuzu slash zozo got the job i I think zozo is is basically just like the the hip millennial (laughs) version of of pazuzu like or, or like 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 the millennial targeted one so you know He's wearing sunglasses. He's a cool guy. He he <laughs> sits in a beanbag chair. Does lots of BuzzFeed he just, quizzes. He just got promoted in hell. He's now managing all spirit boards. And this Generation X doesn't get it like the millennials get it. Oh, man. It's crazy what people come up with. It's really fascinating how... We take one item from pop culture and plaster it on another item and then believe in it to an insane 
insane level. It's just, it's fascinating to me. Sociology is incredible. Should we talk about the movies? Yeah, I think, honestly, maybe the reason why we've been talking about Ouija board so much and not the movies is because we didn't really want to talk about the movies that much. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. It's like, oh, what else can I squeeze out of this? (laughs) I mean, uh, Ouija, 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 Origin of Ouija. It's a fairly substantial movie. You ever feel like even after someone you love has died, there's still a way you can talk to them? You want to talk to Debbie? Um, The first Ouija movie is garbage. I don't know. Do you really want to say it's garbage? That might insult garbage. (laughs) Oh, there's a Spanish term that we used when I was in Uruguay called porqueria. Which is not garbage, but it's like a step below garbage and a step above poop. So I'm going to go with that. I don't know. That might be an insult to porcaria. <laughs> All right. Let's get the first one over with real quick. Okay. Is there anything of note to talk about the first one? Um, There's some fun set pieces. Yeah, there are. Agreed. So, I mean... Uh, and it's all stuff that you see in the trailer basically like if you watch the trailer like hey like that was a, a few creepy little things like i don't know that the sewing of the mouth shut and stuff i don't know that that looks kind of creepy because you know voodoo is the exact same thing as ouija boards yeah <sighs> so i guess should we just like very briefly touch on, on like the plot and and cringe while we're touching on the plot yeah, I'm going to make you do it, though. Okay, so <laughs> so watered-down version, girl uses Ouija board, she kills herself, her friends start using the Ouija board to try to figure out what happened, they start dropping like flies, and, and you keep seeing stuff with like mouths being uh, sewn shut, they start doing some like digging into like the history of the house and all that stuff, and find out that a lady back in the 70s had some problems, which is the plot of Ouija Origin of e- Evil which we'll get more into it later. And so they, like, talk to her in an insane asylum, and you find out, like, her sister had some things, and I don't know. It's dumb. Things fall apart. So Most of them die. The plot doesn't make sense from, like, the very beginning. It's just, like, all over the place. It's like it took cocaine and is just ping-ponging all over the place. I, I, ugh, it's bad. It's bad. it's one of those horror movies that you can tell they knew it would sell because Ouija is is like a known quantity. And so they decided to make a Ouija movie and they put as little money into it as possible. And they got like, they, they just had the sloppiest writing. Like they have a few okay effects, but not anything to write home about. And, And they, they hired like two like decent actors in it and like a bunch of like, no name people who who really can't act at all and yeah it's it's a mess i like i feel bad for lynn shay and olivia cook who are both in it because like they're actually like in in some pretty good stuff like lynn shay is um you'll, you'll probably know best from the insidious series she's uh the kind of the medium yeah yeah the, the medium lady and like she's the best part of those movies in my opinion and like like and and she she has like some good acting chops i think she's a great actress but even anytime i see her though i immediately think we're in an insidious movie yeah that's fair and i mean <laughs> like even in this movie though she's like she wasn't that good because like you could tell that like she knew this movie sucked and like she did not want to be there <laughs> so crowns and screams let's just get it over with okay um i'm gonna get do a solid two on each of those because that movie sucked I'm going to do a two on crowns and a one on screams. Okay, that's fair. All right, Origin of Evil, the much better Ouija movie. If you're going to watch a Ouija movie, watch this one. Yeah, don't even waste your time. Though, I I guess I will say that uh, have a caveat on the original movie. If you're going to watch it, watch it with some friends. Make it an experience. I'll make fun of it. It's that kind of movie. It's the laugh at it, have a mystery science theater kind of party. What's this? New prop for work. Spirit, can you hear me? Yes, we can. 
Ouija Origin of Evil. They, for some reason, decided to make another Ouija movie because apparently it made a lot of the first one made a lot of money, even though it sucked. And so they decided to actually like maybe throw a little bit of money at it, maybe get some people who actually like cared about horror movies and like making good ones involved. So they got Mike Flanagan, and who we discussed in our last episode as being pretty freaking awesome. They got uh, his writing partner Jeff Howard, who I failed to mention when we were talking about him last episode, but yeah, he was involved in basically all of Flanagan's projects. Mike Flanagan hired a lot of actors that he used in other stuff. I mean, you see like half the cast of, of uh, Haunting of Hill House in this movie. You really do. And and so that means I mean, the acting is good. In our last episode, I mentioned Lulu Wilson. She plays kind of the child who gets haunted by the Ouija board. Well, not by the Ouija board, by the demon Marcus. Who is the Ouija? I don't know. Anyway, is, I, is... I think this was one of... Sorry? Well, I guess get into whether or not it's a demon or what it is yeah the characters her, her character's name is doris um and I, I think this is one of the first things she did at least it's one of the first things i remember seeing her in and, and i think this little girl has a lot of potential for horror movies i think she does a really really great job um and annalise vaso's in it elizabeth reeser uh, there are some awesome stars in it who really add to the flavor of the movie and i i loved kind of the plot of the movie too that analyst basso is her character's lena zander her husband has just passed away she's trying to lena, get money lena's for her the, family. the older daughter oh my gosh sorry alice zander elizabeth reeser yes apologize i'm looking at my cast list and got my names goofed and they have kind of this scam going where they bring people in and do seances and have all this cool technology and you know it it had this this moral of sometimes believing in these things that we you know maybe deep down know are not true help us get over things and really help us move past some stuff and i i really wanted them to kind of use that more throughout the movie yeah so so yeah they're they're doing these séances but they're justifying basically deceiving these people because it helps these people you know get over their the death of their loved one and, and help them move on I don't think the movie was perfect in any way. I thought once we see the demon, which is actually pretty early in the show, things just kind of start to snowball and get crazy. And the plot is thrown at you all at once. And there's now this priest whose wife died and now he loves the mom. It's just, it kind of goes from 30 miles an hour to 90 miles an hour real quick. Yeah. So I guess the, the kind of filling in some of the, the blanks on the plot. So, this mom and, and the two daughters, they come in, into contact with, with the Ouija board. At, at first, they, they the mom picks it up because, like, oh, hey, this might be a cool prop for doing seances. But then the daughter, Doris, the younger daughter, um, she is able to communicate with her dead father through it. And so, oh, suddenly, like, it's real and, and, and they're putting all this value in it. And it even helps them like locate money hidden in their house when they're about to get evicted, you know, hidden in the walls from a previous tenant. And but all the while, uh, there's this priest who who runs the Catholic school that the girls go to, who is you know increasingly concerned about absences due to working for their mom and and all that kind of stuff. And so he keeps reaching out, but this you know demon basically uses the the ouija board to possess doris and and she starts doing all sorts of evil stuff and so that the priest is is trying to help the family like overcome this but like like you said it's it goes from zero to to 90 in in a couple of minutes uh, like suddenly yeah she's possessed and, and then suddenly like the priest is there and they're trying to figure out what's going on and then there's this whole thing with oh is is she possessed by a demon or a, i guess it's like an evil spirit in this case a dude named marcus who <laughs> who was so murdered nefarious. yeah well and, and i guess he marcus. was yeah he was murdered in the house by like some evil nazi scientist and i don't know a lot starts getting thrown at you real quick and i i feel like it, it yeah it, it kind of starts falling apart like there's there's some really good ideas still going on in terms of you know kind of horror plot 
I feel like, you know, some of the, the possession stuff was, was really genuinely creepy, but it starts falling apart because they have to make it tie into the original Luigi movie. So they start having to have like the mouth sewn shut thing, which, you know, allegedly is, is stopping. Yeah. I don't get that. I, I mean, that's very common in voodooism. I don't understand what the connection here is to Ouija boards. Yeah. I guess they keep saying that like, Oh, like they have to sew her mouth shut or she'll be able to keep speaking the evil voices and stuff. But it doesn't really suffer from being possessed. I don't know. It gets really messy because they have to tie it into the ridiculous nonsense plot of the first movie and everything just falls apart. And I don't know. It, it's a shame. And and I also felt like you could tell that they kind of ran out of money in terms of a lot of the effects. Um, so there's, you know, like, like when Doris becomes possessed you see like her her bend her back backwards and that's pretty creepy and then suddenly like you you see this like ghost figure like climbing into her mouth kind of thing and 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 you see it like from the ghost figure climbing into the mouth versus like what you would see if you're not you know seeing the ghost and that just looked really like kind of bad cgi like a mouth like in this like weird shape um the Granted, there were some scenes where the cinematography had some really good moments where it was like a close-up on one of the supporting cast, and then Lulu Wilson's character was in the background, and she had like demon face on. Yeah. And I really appreciated those moments. I thought they were pretty haunting. Yeah, well, um, I, I think that's that's like quality cinematography from Mike Flanagan, despite any... Because, I mean, like you, you can get that shot even if you don't have a huge effects budget. Right, right. And, and so, like, yeah, I feel like a lot of the cinematography, the sets looked great. The, the acting was pretty solid. It, it felt like it, it fit into the 70s, which is when it was set. But, yeah, like, the, the ghouls that are, you know, these evil spirits or whatever, they, it was kind of vague on what exactly they were. It seemed to be that they were, like, spirits that were tortured and then they turned into these monsters almost. They looked real bad. Which is a shame because like they hired Doug Jones to play the the ghoul version of Marcus, and Doug Jones is amazing. He's the agreed. He is the the actor who was the the fish guy in Shape of Water. He was Abe Sapien in Hellboy. He was I don't he does basically like every like really cool physical performance creature performance that isn't done by Andy Serkis is done by Doug Jones. He's awesome. He's the new Nosferatu in the movie that's in post-production. Oh my gosh, I'm so Just excited. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, like, he is amazing. But even, like, I don't know, just the, the design of the features just didn't look good, though. So, I don't know, everything just kind of falls apart at the end because they have to make it connect. And, and I think that's really a shame because, like, it's leaps and bounds better than the first movie. It It's... it's but but because it is connected to the first movie, the first movie's taint gets all over it. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> um, okay, so crowns, screams? I'm going to give it four screams because it wasn't really that scary. There's there's some pretty creepy moments, especially uh, with Lulu Wilson, you know, being a possessed little girl. Like, some some of those moments are pretty solid, but it wasn't like, that terrifying at any given point um and then crowns i'm gonna give it a five like it's an all right movie like it's leaps and bounds over the original but i don't know i'm probably not gonna watch it again um i would give it a five on both i think the best scare in the entire movie was when she was first possessed lulu's character and she made the two bullies at school hit themselves in the face with the slingshot yeah, that part was pretty great. Um, and again, that was off camera. You didn't see what was going on, but you knew what was happening. And that really got under my skin the first time I saw this movie, just because it was kids and violence and all that. But yeah, overall, it's, it's a good invite some friends over, watch a scary show. There are a few jumps. It might terrify a few people. It might make a few people bored. Like, It's a solid movie. It's a good date night horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And and 
I guess to its credit, like it, it really relied on the jump scare very little while the first movie was basically like just jump scares, which I mean, shows just the, the difference of, of caliber there. Like, like it occasionally made you jump, but it was like genuinely like, Hey, like the characters would have jumped away in fear from this thing too. Not just like a quick cut to something creepy. So I thought that Agreed. was good. My favorite scene, because I didn't mention that earlier, was actually just a part where Doris is talking to Lena's boyfriend or would-be boyfriend, the, the dude who keeps you know floating around trying to hit on her teenage sister. She's she's talking to him, and she just like talks about like she just like describes very creepily to him what the experience is of suffocating and like what it does to your body. And ooh, it was very unnerving. I, I love that scene because you see this guy's reaction. And Lulu does just such an awesome, creepy, matter-of-fact kind of a way. Yeah. Gotta say, like, if you want a little girl to be possessed in a movie, she's your go-to. She was great at that in Annabelle creation, too. Agreed! So yeah, she she kicks, kicks trash. I, I really like pretty much the whole cast of this movie. But yeah, it just it it ultimately kind of had to fall a little bit flat because it was just you know connected to the first one, unfortunately. All right. Well, do we need to say anything else? No, I think if we say anything else, then the episode will be a gazillion hours long. It's true. I could say a lot more things, but I won't. <laughs> well, well, let, let's ask the Ouija board. Oh. Uh, uh. This isn't convincing because I don't have a Ouija board in my it's house. It's going Z-O-Z-O-Z-O. We need to pull the plug quick. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. Need even more Scream Kings? Here's our obligatory shameless social media plug. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at ScreamKingsPod. You could also email us at ScreamKingsPodcast at gmail.com. Help us reach a wider audience of horror fans by leaving a review on iTunes or by sharing a link on social media. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Stay spooky.